Luke 17, verses 11 to 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Well, for those of you who've been to the Keswick Convention before up in the Lake District, you'll no doubt be familiar with the name Peter Maiden, who was part of the leadership team there for many years. What you may not realise is that sadly earlier this year, Peter passed away after a lengthy battle with cancer. But during the last few months of his life, God gave him enough strength and enough grace to finish the book that he was writing that you can see up there on the screen. It's a book that he decided to call Radical Gratitude. It's a book that speaks into the the entitlement culture in which we live. I'm entitled to this. It is my right to that. We hear that sort of language all around us all of the time. We live in an age of entitlement. But of course, that's a very different starting point to the Bible, which says I'm entitled to nothing. We deserve nothing but the judgment of God. Everything we have is sheer grace, sheer unmerited favour, the incredible kindness of God towards people who don't deserve it. And when we begin to understand that, then, then our grumbling is replaced with gratitude. Our grumbling at what we do not have is replaced with a gratitude for what God has given to us and what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. You see, Peter Maiden's aim in writing this book is very simple. His aim is to awaken a real sense of thankfulness, or as he calls it, radical gratitude in our hearts. And I'm convinced that as a church living in the UK in the 21st century, this is a message that we need to listen to very carefully. Because far too often as a, as a national church, as a, as a people who profess faith in Christ, far too often we are characterized by grumbling and not by gratitude. We have so much, yet we thank God so little. Well, as we arrive in Luke chapter 17 this morning, the theme before us is that of thankfulness. We have 10 lepers, 10 outsiders, 10 people living on the margins of life. They all meet Jesus. They're all healed by Jesus. But only one comes back to Jesus to say thank you. Point being, be like the one and not like the nine. You see, at first glance, at first glance, What we have before us is a simple lesson in thankfulness. But as we dig a little bit deeper into this story, 
we'll see that there is far more going on than first meets the eye. This isn't just teaching, about, teaching our children when to say please and thank you, how to hold themselves together in public. This isn't just a lesson in morality. This is about Christ-centered gratitude. It is about the orientation of our hearts this morning towards Jesus. It is about being moved by the grace of God to the point where we throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus in worship. And that's why Luke writes his orderly account. It's why he gives us this gospel to show us who Jesus is in order that we might fall at his feet in gratitude and in worship. And so with that end in mind, why don't we come together and pray before we look at God's word. Father, thank you for your word to us. And as we look together at your word now, as we consider Christ, we ask, Lord, that you would open up the eyes of our heart to see him more clearly, to love him more dearly. And please bring each of us to that point where we throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus in gratitude and in worship. For his glory we pray. Amen. Well, back in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, we're given a key marker in Luke's gospel. This is what we read, Luke 9, 51. At this time, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He set his face towards Jerusalem. And in Luke chapter 17, verse 11, which sets the context for today's passage, we're reminded that Jesus is on that same journey. He's on his way to Jerusalem and we know what's going to happen there. We know the end of the story already. He's going there to lay down his life on the cross. Why? To bring the outsider in. That's why Jesus came. He came to seek and to save the lost. And, and Luke in his narrative is, is constantly moving things forward to Jerusalem to this great climax where Christ dies on a cross for sin. Yet on the way, as we travel with Jesus, there is much to learn about what the cross achieves and about how we should respond to all that Jesus has done for us there. Hence the encounter before us today. And it's a meeting with Jesus that highlights three things. Firstly, our need. Secondly, our saviour. And thirdly, our posture before our saviour. Firstly, then our need. Have a look again at verse 11 onwards. This is what we read. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. No surprise that Jesus meets these people on the outskirts of the village because according to Levitical law, they were not allowed in. You know, when you drive into a village today, you'll probably see a sign, something like this one on the screen saying, welcome to Long Crendon. Well, that's exactly where these lepers would have been gathered, on the fringes of the village, on the outskirts. You wouldn't find them hanging out in the square. You wouldn't find them down the eight bells. You would not find them on the wreck playing footy with their friends. You would not find them at the school gate chatting with other parents. 
They weren't allowed in. Why? Because they were unclean. They were kept on the margins of life. Listen to what we read in Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45. Anyone with such a defiling disease, i.e. leprosy included in that, must wear torn clothes. Let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. Well, as you're aware, um, recent government guidelines tell us that if you've been holidaying in, in France or certain other European countries, when you return back here, you have to self-quarantine for 14 days. You're kept apart from other people before you can return to normal life. Well, for these ten lepers, there was no return to normal life. This was no limited period of quarantine. This quarantine was permanent. These people were left to die in isolation on the margins of life. And that is why they stand at a distance and they call out, Jesus, the desperate Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And that little phrase that you can see there in verse 13, they called out in a loud voice, is actually made up of two Greek words, phonius megalis. You could probably work it out yourself, phonius megalis, megaphone. It's where we get our word from. They projected their voices, they called out in a loud voice, literally they megaphoned out to the only one who could do something about their condition. They called out to Jesus because their need was so great. And could I say to us this morning, so is ours. We may not have a physical condition that eats away at the flesh and results in a slow and painful death. But we have something far worse. We have a spiritual condition that eats away at the soul and it destroys our relationship with God and with other people. And as we begin to understand that more fully, as we understand the nature of sin and how destructive it is, then we too, like these ten lepers, will call out to Jesus. We will megaphone out to Christ and ask him for mercy. Firstly, our need Secondly, our Saviour, verse 14. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. You see, God's not oblivious to the suffering in this world. Do you see those opening words there? When he saw them. Jesus sees them. God sees. Same words we find in Matthew Chapter 9, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And again, Jesus sees a small crowd of lepers on the way into this village. Harassed and helpless there. Their need was great. Their cry was heard. And the response of Jesus was immediate, verse 14. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. You see, in those days, the priests, like the, the purity police, they were the health inspectors 
of our day. It was their job to declare people clean so they could re-enter society. And therefore, you'd only go and visit a priest if you were already clean. You'd go there to pick up your hygiene, your personal hygiene certificate. Yet when Jesus tells these ten lepers to go and show themselves to the priest, they're still unclean with leprosy. You see, Jesus is asking them to take a walk of faith, to trust him. And as they do, as they went, they were cleansed. You see, so much is contained within those three words. They were cleansed. Their rotting flesh is restored. Digits that have fallen off begin to grow back in their place. Their flaky, infected, irritable skin is once again soft and smooth. They're given a totally new lease of life. All ten, all ten, were wonderfully restored. Yet only one comes back to Jesus to say thank you. It's what we read in verse 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at the feet of Jesus, and thanked him. Beautiful picture, isn't it, of salvation? And of course, it's a picture of our own salvation too. We too were spiritual lepers. We too need to be made clean. We too should fall at the feet of Jesus in worship. And that's why the context for this story is so important. It's where we began in verse 11. Do you remember where Jesus is going? He's on his way to Jerusalem. Why? To die. Because it's at the cross where he laid down his life for us that we find forgiveness. Only at the cross can we be washed clean of our sin. Only at the cross can sinful people be declared righteous in the sight of a holy God. Only at the cross can outsiders become insiders. You see, Dr. Luke is very careful with the detail. Have a look again at verse 16. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And, and he was a Samaritan. Luke wants us to understand that this man was a double outsider. He's an outsider by birth because he's a Samaritan. He's a half-bred Jew. And he's an outsider because of his physical condition, because of his leprosy. Yet wonderfully, through an encounter with Christ, this outsider becomes an insider. And in verse 19, you can see that he gets way more than he bargained for. Then Jesus said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Literally, your faith has saved you. Faith is the hand that lays hold of the Savior. And by faith, this man has laid hold of Christ. And so as he gets up to go, not only is he healed from his physical condition and restored to society, but he's also healed spiritually. And more importantly, he's healed spiritually. And restored to God. Christ died for sins. Once for all the righteous Jesus. In the place of the unrighteous me. To take my sin. Why? To bring me back to God. To bring the outsider in. 
And that's why back in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, Jesus set out resolutely towards Jerusalem. Firstly, our need. Secondly, our saviour. And lastly, our posture before our saviour. Have a look again at verse 16 onwards. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Here's the big question then that Jesus asks. Where's the other nine? Where have they gone? What are they doing? Well, I've got no doubt they are somewhere celebrating all that God has done for them. They're celebrating their their healing, their their reintegration to society. They've got a new lease of life. They're embracing maybe family members that they've been cut off from and isolated from for many years. You see, the issue here, I think, isn't thankfulness per se. All ten were thankful. But only one comes back to express his gratitude to Jesus. No doubt the other nine did all the religious things necessary. They went to the temple. They got their certificates of cleansing. They offered their sacrifices of thanksgiving, but they failed to return to Jesus. And of course, that brings us to the heart of Christianity. Christianity is Christ. It's all about Jesus. Point being, organized religion cannot save. Moral living cannot save. Reciting liturgy cannot save. Infant baptism cannot save. Confessing your sins to a priest cannot save. Taking mass cannot save. These things cannot save. Only Jesus can save and therefore the only fitting location to offer praise is at the feet of Jesus. Ten lepers were healed, but only one had their eyes opened to who Jesus is. And he alone returned to give thanks at the feet of Jesus. And that, you see, is how we know when someone is saved. Not when they go to church, maybe, or tune in to a sermon online. Plenty of people do that. We know when someone is saved, when they genuinely fall at the feet of Jesus in gratitude and in worship. And so I must ask you this morning, have you done that? Have you knelt at the feet of Jesus and called out for mercy, knowing the promise of Acts chapter 2 verse 21? That everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, it's very possible to be courteous and polite, to be thankful and and generous, well-educated, even God-fearing, and still end up in hell. Only those who come to Christ, only those who trust in Christ, only those who call out to Christ will be saved. And so my prayer this morning is that the posture of our hearts, not necessarily our bodies, but our hearts, will be the same as the latter of the leper in verse 16. A posture of humility, thankfulness, and praise. Well, as we finish, let me leave you with four questions to chew on. 
maybe over lunch. Firstly, as you, as you read your way through the Gospels, you will see Jesus' heart for the outsider, his concern to bring the outsider in. And so I wonder, is that a mark of our church? Are we accessible to those who maybe don't look like us, those who don't talk like us, those who don't wear the same clothes as us, those who maybe haven't been educated in the same way that we have, those who don't hold down the same jobs as us? Is LCBC a place where the outsider would feel welcomed in? Secondly, is our life characterized more by grumbling or by gratitude? And if the answer to that question is grumbling, then could I encourage you to once again look to the cross? Because it's there at the foot of the cross when you stand before your Savior that our grumbling will be swallowed up in gratitude. You cannot look at the cross for long and continue to grumble. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world, all those times we feel hard done by and tempted to grumble, they'll grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Thirdly, do we pray like the lepers in the story? Do we call out to Jesus? Do we talk to Jesus with sincere, heartfelt cries? J.C. Ryle says in his commentary, if the saints could only see their souls as the ten afflicted lepers saw their bodies, then they would pray far more than they do. The more we understand our need for Jesus in all of life, the more we will be moved to our knees in prayer. And then finally, what does it look like to express that genuine gratitude towards Jesus in our lives. Let me draw your attention to three areas very quickly. Firstly, prayer. I know we've touched on prayer already, but our thankfulness should be expressed in prayer, in verbalizing what is in our hearts, letting it come out of our mouth in thanks to God. That's what we see in the story. This former leper returns to Jesus. He's thankful in his hearts, but he wants to talk to him. He prays to him. And he says, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. And so I must ask you, is your prayer life full of gratitude? Are your daily prayers saturated in thankfulness for what God has done for you in Jesus Christ? Secondly, praise or, or sung worship, as we might call it. I think one of the hardest things for many of us not being able to gather together physically watching online and even again in a couple of weeks God willing when we do begin to gather again physically we will not be allowed to sing together and that's difficult because singing is one of the the richest ways where collectively together we can express the gratitude of our hearts towards Jesus and I know that many of us are feeling that loss right now. And then lastly, we express our gratitude to God in 24-7 worship, in living for Jesus in all of life. Not just part of life, not just a little bit of life, but all of life, all of me, 24-7 worship, all of me, all of the time. You see, one thing I'd love to see that's mandatory in every church is a, is a little sign on the way out above the door, which says, go and worship. 
You'll see many signs on churches or on little placards saying, come and worship, and that's good and right. We should come together to worship God. But the Bible says we should also go, we should scatter to worship God with all of our lives. And so I finish this morning with a question. And it's the same question for all of us, whether you're a believer or a skeptic, whether you've been following Jesus for 20 minutes or 20 years. Here's your question. Do you see yourself in verse 16? Is that the posture of your heart before Jesus Christ this morning? I want to give you a few moments to read through that verse on the screen and to reflect and to answer that question in your own hearts before we sing together.